Hi, Sophia. Welcome back, everybody. Hi, Austin. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Oh, yeah, we're off schedule this week. We are. That was my <laughs> fault. <laughs> um, just like to, to keep it fresh, you know, just a rotating <laughs> day. You never know. Uh, I don't know if we're going to sound dead tired or just giddy from lack of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> both. I hope both. So how have you been doing since our last meeting? I am doing pretty well. I'm still coming down off the high of being on our friend's podcast, um, You Need to Read This Book, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and I think on Anchor as well, I think they said. Yeah, I can put a link to it in the description for this, this week's episode. This is our first one after yeah. reading our guest appearance, right? Yeah, it's our first guest appearance, and it was so much fun. Bailey and Peyton are really nice, so it was fun to get to know them. Oh, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. So what have you been reading this week? Well, Austin, um, <laughs> as I was getting ready for this call, I had to return a book early on Overdrive um, because great concept. I love a cozy mystery, which apparently is its own genre that I didn't really know about until like last year. But uh, it was just a bit too much for me. Like, and so I returned it. And uh, yeah, that's what I've got to say about that. What was the book? Do you want to reveal or do you want to? Dun, 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 dun. It, it, was, it was cute like it was fine it was um this like series about like it, it like kind of like mentioned um like classics and then I think like murder was involved so like I returned it early to be honest with you I even forget the title like that's how little I got into it before I was like, like you just oh, returned no. it right before we started recording yeah that's why like when you were like oh what are you reading I had like one of those like flashbacks where I was like like that's so raven staring off into the distance <laughs> trying to remember um but yeah it was okay I know the second book in the series was called Bloodstains with Bronte I think which is why I wanted to read it in the first place but it wasn't it wasn't meant to be what about it's you? been a bit longer since we've recorded than we usually yeah. take in between. So I wanted to ask, how far along on your reading challenge are you this year for your yearly goal? Um, it's been like, what, 10 days? So you must be at least 60 books more than I talked to you last <laughs> time. I'm on book 30 of the year, Austin. Oh, my. <laughs> and I don't want to be judged for it because here's the thing. A lot of them were graphic novels. And I've been reading way faster than I intended to just because um, <laughs> I'm trying NetGalley and I want my ratio to be good. So I keep getting good books. So that's I've why. never heard. I'd never thought I would any, hear anybody ever say, oh, my gosh, I actually read that book way too fast. <laughs> it happens. It's a thing. Sometimes you want to <laughs> savor it and be in the moment and it just slips out. <laughs> I don't know. What are you up to, Austin? What are you reading? So I started reading one book I got a couple weeks ago. So it's based off the video game Final Fantasy. It's called Final Fantasy XV Dawn of the Future. Oh. That one's good so far. So far. So the story of that one, it's based off of the game was supposed to have a bunch of extra content released after it was after the game came out. Oh. Okay. That all got canceled. Oh, no. So they took everything they were going to put into that extra content and made it into the book. So That is such a cool idea. I love that. <laughs> That's kind I mean, of like, closure for a game that was never actually, I guess, finished all the way. So, yeah, I that's what you posted on the Instagram story the other day. Uh -huh. right? Okay, I love that because I saw that and I was like, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of like multimedia that way before. Um, I don't typically read like video game books, but mm -hmm. that it's one just I like the game a lot, so I wanted to get closure on the story. <laughs> I kind of love it when people do that. Like, I'm a huge um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. And, like, I definitely went through a phase where, like, I read any comic I could get my hand off, hand off, hand on, um, because I, like, really like that universe, and I really liked the stories that were coming out of it. And, Maybe we've got uh, another idea for an episode brewing here. Whew, don't even get me started talking about Buffy. We could be here for 18 hours. I just like, meant, like, like, books that extend a different oh, media, but we can you. do Buffy as well. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Um, no, that's a good idea because I also really like um, Orphan Black, uh, which has um, Canadian actress Tatiana Maslany. She's going to be the She-Hulk, I hear. She is? <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Sorry, that was probably so loud if you're listening to this. Um, but that's outrageous. <laughs> she was just in um, HBO's Perry Mason reboot. Oh. She played like this kind of um, 
like alternative religious leader and she was so good in the role like I think you would really like it because it's set in the 30s anyway and like Perry Mason is like this hard-boiled detective but I just like I thought she was amazing in it so I actually haven't seen Orphan Black I want to get around to it but you have to it's so good (laughs) it's so so good there's always a lack of Canadian content on TV. It's restricted to like Corner Gas and Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah. I mean, we do have Shit's Creek. I feel like not a lot of people yeah, talk. I'm not a big <gasps> fan of that one. Austin! <laughs> that was filmed 20 minutes from where I went to high school, though. What? That's so exciting. <laughs> <Good one. laughs> oh, my gosh. I, yeah, I really, really love Shit's Creek. Um, and I also really like, like, I feel like we have some good stuff. Like, um, okay. Just pretend <laughs> I didn't hesitate there, but we, we do have some good shows, like Frankie Dragon's Drake Den. Mysteries. Dragon's Den, get out of here. <laughs> I used to I love see... Dragon's Den in high school, but oh. I don't like it so much now. Every time I see Kevin O'Leary's face, I just, like, something inside me <laughs> is just like, no, stop. The Canadian Trump. Canadian Trump oh. wannabe, I should say. Yeah, a knockoff Trump. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. He's not that bad, I think. I don't know. Bargain bin Trump. <laughs> Nobody quote this section. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry if you are a fan of O'Leary. I don't know what else to say. Anyway, Austin, uh, what else is up? Other than that, um, hmm. Not too much. I'm going to get a review for the book I'm reading up sometime this week on the Instagram. That's so exciting. I'm kind of slacking in my reviews compared to you, but. <laughs> no, you're not. You're, you're a great review writer. <laughs> I don't have the I don't know what's the word I'm thinking of but the something to read books too quickly <laughs> I'm, I mean like just the urge urge to, or like it, it's better to savor it and just like kind of <laughs> indulge like I don't know what else to say I like feeling lost in a book I don't like huh. feeling rushed so our topic for this week is um something it i is. got this it's signed books and collected <laughs> copies <laughs> it's been a long day i'm so sorry i am never making you record in the evening again <laughs> i'm a terrible friend it's um, not even the evening it's like late afternoon <laughs> the, the sun's, sun's still, still up, up. <laughs> <laughs> uh look that's saying a lot too because it's winter in canada and the sun goes <laughs> down early <laughs> it's like it's like 4 30 p.m and it's gone although like right now it's five and it still looks pretty good <laughs> I heard that we're getting like an early summer, early spring or whatever, so I'm not mad. Um, Anyway, back to the topic at hand. Uh, We're talking about signed editions and special editions today. And I'm really excited about it um, just because I, I like them. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like an urge to collect or whatever, but Uh I'm happy about it. So unfortunately, I personally don't have any signed copies of any books. And I don't think I have any collector's copies of any books either. But that being said, I have found a couple articles about like most valuable signed Ooh. copies and collector's editions. So we can get into that in a little bit. But I'll start off with asking you, do you have any signed or collector's copies of books? I have signed copies of books and they are like my pride and joy. I don't know why I find so much enjoyment in them I think it's because usually I don't realize they're signed until I get home Uh and that's like um I don't know if that's just like when you're in the bookstore like you've got like this magic like like these magic like rose-colored glasses on and you you don't notice things until you're like at home Uh Um, that's how I explain how I walk out with like five more books than I intended (laughs) (laughs) um I can't be held accountable for what happens in there but (laughs) Um, yeah, the first time I actually bought a signed copy of a book was an accident. And so it was a copy of, um, The Unbecoming of Mara Dyer, uh, which is by Michelle Hodkin. And I had read like the book, uh, just from the library and I really liked it. So I popped over to the bookstore and bought it and I got home and I opened it and lo and behold, somebody had used a marker, aka the author, (laughs) (laughs) to sign it and I was like so pumped yeah and then that happened to me like three other times and I don't know how or why but I'm not mad about it so yeah you find most of your signed books are ones that you buy like you used bookstore and find that it's used oh you have a okay so like yeah 
the books you have signed, do you like get them signed at a, like a meet and greet or something or? So I've never, I guess I, I, this, I don't know if this counts, but I went to, um, do you remember like in grade school when we did like, there, there's a Canadian like reading challenge where it's like silver birch. Yes. And it's like, it's like aimed at like different ages. Austin just has like this like nostalgic smile on his face. Like, oh yeah. Well, I was just thinking when I was oh. that age, I was like, uh-huh. I'm not going to join that club. That club's for nerds. But now looking <laughs> back, I would have. I would kill now to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have like a club, but we did like pay attention to like, like if, if a book had like a silver birch seal on it, then like our teachers and librarians would be like, Ooh, this is this year's pick. Like we have to read it. Uh-huh. So I was thinking about this when we went on, like the, you have to read this book podcast when they were like, they were talking like, to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And um, they were talking to another guest of theirs who I guess was born in Canada as well. And I was like, wow, small world. And I think like they were saying like, oh, is like reading really big in Canada? And like, yeah, it super is. So sorry, one second. So I was thinking about that because I do feel like it's a big like culture around it. And I know like obviously other countries do as well. Um, But like quite a few books that I do own are signed by Canadian authors because they like have a really big circuit where like they visit all these like local stores. They visit like, I would say our big chain in Canada is Indigo. So Indigo sets up a lot, a lot of like interviews Uh and meet and greets. It's like impossible to like walk into big Indigos and not see someone there. Um, And I know you've mentioned like seeing an author there too before, right? Oh, yeah, that might be the one exception. I do have the one signed book of that book I could not stand that I mentioned last week. I won't name the name of the book or the author for DTC's <laughs> sake, but... That's very so, Yeah, the one signed book I have is a book that I couldn't bear to read. Look, it happens. It's fine. I'm currently using it as a stand for my TV. <laughs> That's rough. That's like the rating system. Like, it's like two stars, one star tv stand like, that's along the with next. a bunch of books like textbooks i couldn't sell when i was done university good times the buyback option was not our friend <laughs> um yeah i'm always gonna be mad that i hawked our first year film textbook because that was actually a really good text uh, it, i got that from cheap too i got like 50 bucks from a ta okay i i bought mine used and it was like 64 and like regularly this is like 150 plus tax so i was like what a steal uh-huh. and then i sold it back and I got $85. I was like, okay. It's very rare you make a profit on selling back textbooks. So it's like, it's, it's a gem. Um, (laughs) I do wish I'd kept it now, but first year me did not value it as much (laughs) as I should have. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. I do have some signed books by um, Rosalie Lim, who's like an author from Montreal and like Indigo seems to have a lot of autographed work by her and her books are beautiful like if you ever get the chance like they're pretty good um and then yeah like I also have one by Sarah Dessen who's like my ride or die <laughs> she's great have a signed copy by her I was supposed to go see her at a meet and greet at the Toronto Indigo but um wow I just said that's so weird I said that like the American version of Toronto <laughs> I mean Toronto American friends are rubbing off on us from last week. (laughs) Do you ever hear that in a movie when they say Toronto and it like Uh makes you feel weird? (laughs) I was watching um, The Proposal with Sandra Bullock the other day and she was like, like in the movie, she's like going to get deported to Canada. Like that's the joke. Like that's why she has to get married. And like, she's like, yeah, I have a red eye to Toronto tomorrow and I, I was like ryan reynolds is in that movie he's canadian and he let her say it like that like someone correct this woman was it, maybe he wasn't on set that day it's <laughs> like what happened um i think he's from the west coast anyway it's not his fault so <laughs> they're just nicer than like ontarians so they they wouldn't correct um yeah anyway so rosalie Lim's sign books good super great and my dear friend Cleo who I have to shout out at least (laughs) once a podcast (laughs) apparently um she sent me a signed copy of like one of the books of my all-time favorite series that she found in her indigo so that was like super nice that's cool yeah do you treat your signed copies as like treasures like you don't want to take them out and read them like do you buy a second copy of the same book that's not signed to read or no 
I, I'm not fancy. Um, because like, like the signed editions I do have, like, I, I think it's a lot different than it used to be. Like, it's not like having like a signed Hemingway or something, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, and like, that's not like devaluing like these things cause it's super awesome, but I, I don't know that it would carry the same like gravity that it would have years ago. And like that, we can get into that in another episode, but I, I just think that like, yes, like, thank God there is such a huge community still around readers and writers. And there is like this tremendous respect for like what they do in the process. Uh But like in an age where like we do kind of have so much, it's hard to kind of get the same value in things. So I'm not treating these like with gloved hands. Um, Mm. And like, that's because these are priceless to me. Like I cherish them. Um, And that's enough for me. Like I I Uh would, the kind of person to put like a slip cover or anything uh maybe this will come back and haunt me and in like 20 years they'll be worth <laughs> millions and then they have like like nail polish stains from like when i picked up the book too early after painting my nails i don't know um okay so what if you went to a used bookstore and found a bronte book signed okay would that change things that would be like that would be like a, a searching for like a microscopic like like an atom in a haystack or something like that's impossible <laughs> um but like oh my god if it did happen it would be different and that's because like the monetary value would be nuts not that i would ever sell it <laughs> in my whole entire life but okay say you're on a sitcom you're in a used bookstore and you find a used bronte book or not a used assigned <sighs> but at the same time your opposite rival grabs the book at the exact same time would you fight her are you joking? Yes. <laughs> what? Yes, I would, Austin. What kind of question? You know those like scenes in movies? I this scene always drives me nuts where like one of the characters sees like a dress or like a pair of boots in like this department sale and uh-huh. I think in How I Met Your Mother, Lily does this at one point too. And like she just like goes off and it's like That's what that, I was like, thinking. That's the exact situation really? I was thinking, just with a book instead. I would do that for a book, but I would never do it for a like an item of clothing. What if it was signed by one of the Bronte sisters? And I would. I would, like, get into fisticuffs for some kind of, like, dress from the 1800s for sure. Um, oh, my gosh. I, I don't know if anyone else listening is a fan of the My Favorite Murder podcast, but in this week's hometown episode, they had a listener write in. And I guess, like, her, like, distant cousin or whatever, like, is related to Lizzie Borden. Huh. And so the aunt gave her like handmade like lace cuffs that belonged to Lizzie. Wow, Bell. that's cool. And I was like, wow, like that's intense. <laughs> um, yeah. I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> no, I don't know how we, how we get down these roads. This week's episode is going to be all over the place because we're tired. I'm sorry. Um, okay, so how about collector's cop, collector's editions? Do you have any of those? I don't have any like. When when you're saying collector's editions, what I'm thinking of is like special like anniversary editions or like yeah, yeah. like there's only like 300 made or something. And... Yeah, I don't have any like 300 maids, but I do have um like I just ordered a really beautiful edition of uh, Pride and Prejudice from like the I think it's like Lit Joy Lit Joy crate. If anyone's listening and knows what I mean. The, so sorry if I butchered that but it's like a a box subscription which normally um like you just get whatever but you can actually just buy the books if you choose and not like the actual book box and so this is like a gorgeous copy where it's like black and then it has like gold filigree and it's just like beautiful illustration has like a box that the hardcover slides in and out of like it was a moment (laughs) I went for it um and I'm, I'm gonna be getting the Stephanie Perkins released the 10th anniversary edition of Anna and the French Kiss, which is like one of my all-time favorite books, like set in Paris, about a teenager who wants to be a film critic. And again, like gorgeous hardcover, like gold, like I love it when pages are edged in gold on the outside. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I think that's because like I, I just finished a contract where I was working in like a special collections um, in an archive and like just seeing the spines and the edges of books from like the 1700s uh-huh. 
like my mouth is watering. It was just like <laughs> so cool. Um, not because I wanted to eat them, but you know what I mean? Like I was just like, this is the highlight of my life. Like nothing will ever be better than this. And so there's this one thing, and I always forget the name of it, but like it's if you tilt the pages on an angle, then like you see like images or like words written on them. Oh, I've never seen one of those before. Oh my gosh. Well, we'll have to put something on the Insta story to explain it. Um, and I always forget the name, which bothers me, but it's so beautiful. So like what happens is, I don't know if I'm explaining this well enough, but just to visualize. So you take the outside of the book and you like put your thumb on all the pages. And if you like press it on a certain angle, then like certain images, like maybe a painting of a forest, maybe like, um, like a line of a poem, like something will show up. And it, it's just like, it shows you like the That's artistry cool. that goes into it. Right. It's huh. it's super neat. So I really love stuff like that. And I wonder how many of those I've seen. I don't even realize because I didn't know that that was a thing that I just I didn't know. hold at the right angle or something. Well, that's what like that's what one of um, the archivists was saying. Like basically, sometimes these books could be in a collection for like forty years for another purpose. So, say you're going into the collection strategy and you're saying like, oh, this book has historic merit because it was owned by this famous poet, so we're going to keep it. And then you keep it for 40 years. And then all of a sudden, one day you pick it up a weird way and you realize that there's like this totally hidden, like amazing facet behind it. So it, it's just really cool. Um, and I kind of like, I feel like we are in, this sounds like so pompous when I say it, but like we're approaching a time um, that <laughs> I just made a face at Austin because I'm trying not to say, <laughs> I think we're in an age. Uh, no, but I think we are kind of going back to, like people love special editions editions and like they're willing to kind of pay more to have like like fancier things like this again uh. um, and we totally studied that effect like in our classes where it was like the golden age of cinema and they would bring back like huge theaters that made it feel like you were going to the opera and all these like special things to kind of rejuvenate that culture I would say and it's so like they keep re-releasing the Star Wars movies but slightly worse each time <laughs> God, no, let's not, let's not even touch on that right now. That's a different episode. That's episode like four, 45 million. I don't know. Um, but like we are like going back to celebrating like really cool, like features about that. Like, uh -huh. and when I talk to people and like, I talk about like my degree, I feel like people are like, oh, you're like, people still go to the library. And I'm like, do you know how many young people are in love with this whole concept and culture? Like it, it's not a dying art. If anything, it's being reinvented and we're kind of going back to it and kind of seeing uh -huh. like, okay, like, I, and again, like it comes back to it, right? Like this podcast, like our name, which we'll have to have an episode about eventually because I feel like out of context, that could be confusing, but like twenties, <laughs> like there were a group of people called bright young things who would do outrageous things. They would kind of go around England and different countries and they would get up to mischief. They would cause like, like different, like hubbubs just to kind of get attention and celebrate life. And it was kind of like a hedonistic thing in response to you know, the 1918 flu, like all these different circumstances, like this is when the flappers came out, like you're in your 20s, it's 1920s, now it's 2020s. And like, we are kind of mirroring that in a way where I feel like it's interesting to draw parallels because like we're, we're in a dark time, like <laughs> we're in a pandemic. Uh, we're about to be like kind of in a, in a little recession. I'm not an economist, so don't hold me to it. <laughs> a little, little recession. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. Let's not dwell on the bad times. Um, but I do feel like that atmosphere is like people do crave being together. People do need accessible content. People are uh -huh. flocking to places like libraries and museums and galleries. And they're coming back to themselves in a way that we do want to celebrate. And like once this is over and like we can get together again like it, it, we're gonna get together with like a big bang like it's gonna be a fun time we just need to get through <laughs> these 20s like will just... be roaring eventually eventually <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I feel like you know the celebration of like the finer things and like having that kind of come back into it like it, it's gonna be popping up and I'm ready for it I'm here for it <laughs> that's what I'm holding on to <laughs> just for now things are whack yeah, yeah, they are. They are indeed. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't know. I, once again, I, I forget just, how we even got, got started on that. But. I don't know. I'm just here, like, stream of conscious. <laughs> I was going to say before, I'm going to have to go through all my books on my two bookshelves and see if I have any books with a little holographic image on the, see the outer you, side. See if you have a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so I found two lists relating to this week's topic. Okay. They're both from, what was the website? abooks.com. So the okay. first one was the most expensive signed books sold by Abe Books. Okay. The other one was 10 extremely valuable author signatures. Wow. So there is a little bit of overlap between the two. Mm-hmm. But I can go, I'll go through the most valuable ones first. Okay. So number, I'll, let's see if you can guess the price for each one. Or maybe right. not, because that'll be kind of broad. <laughs> so the first one is Moby Dick, Herman right. Melville. Care to take a guess how much that one went for? I would say ten grand. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight thousand. Yeah. Okay. Number two was where the wild things are. Okay, that makes sense to me. Twenty-five thousand. Yeah. Third was to kill a mockingbird. Okay. Four was a farewell to arms. Ugh, Hemingway. <laughs> I wanted to ask, what's your deal with Hemingway? <laughs> I hate Hemingway. And this is why, here's why it's unfair that I say that. Um, I have never read Hemingway. I just hate him on principle. (laughs) It's like me with J.K. Rowling. Oh, J.K. Rowling. (laughs) I read this book when I was younger, which was based off of like Hemingway's first wife and her experience being married to him. And uh, he was just so insufferable. And like, I fact checked it and like cross referenced like everything he did. And he was indeed that awful in real life. And then I realized that he was married to this really famous reporter in America at the time. I think her name was Martha. Um, And she like wanted to go to Spain to cover like um, stuff that was going down with Franco. Like she wanted to be involved in like the war coverage. She wanted to do everything. And he basically threw a tantrum and was like, you're not paying enough attention to me. You're my wife. So when she was like, forget you, I'm going to cover it. He called the paper that hired her and said, do you really want her writing for me? Or do you want Hemingway? And so he took her job I was like, what a savage. Like, I. You know if that had anything to do with the writing of For Whom the Bell Tolls? Because I know that takes place during the Spanish Civil War. I know that. Or is that just a coincidence? No, I know that he spent time there and, like, Uh, really felt like a part of it. Like, he felt very, like, passionate about that. I knew Uh, he spent time there, but was that. I didn't know it was because he took his wife's job. (laughs) I think he spent time there before. Like, I think that's what Uh, he used to convince the paper that, like, they wanted him and not his wife. Um, it's not that he wasn't an expert. It just sucks that you would do that to someone. And I really feel like he, uh, I don't know. There's just stuff about him. That'd be a good I, other topic for another episode is if you can, if you can separate like an author's life from his work or his or her life from his or her work. Yeah. I feel like that's an episode where we'd have to have people call in to like tell their stories because <laughs> people can get real heated about that, especially uh-huh. English students. A lot of my friends in school were English majors, and they always had, like, feelings. Like, (laughs) it gets real. (laughs) Okay, so the next on the list is a French book I'm not even going to try and pronounce. Beautiful. But I'll try to pronounce it anyway. Okay. Les Horribles et Espondvatables. Nope, that's as far as I'm getting. beautiful. By Francois Rabelais. Wow. (laughs) Austin, yeah. how many years of French did you take? That was great. I haven't spoke French since grade nine. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. Oh, I gotta go. There's more descriptions for the books that the books I didn't even read before. For each of the books I've mentioned already. Mm-hmm. Oh, I lost the tab now. Give me one second. Okay. Technical difficulties. <laughs> okay, we're gonna start from the top of this list again, so I can read okay. the details. Moby Dick. $28,000. Yes. Arian, Ar, Arian Press, 1979 edition, signed by illustrator Barry Moser, and includes mm. 200 engravings and 10 drawings. Oh, it's not wow. even signed by the author, and it's worth that much. Interesting. And then Where the Wild Things Are, published in 1963, this signed first edition, first edition 
came with its first state dust jacket in fine condition. That book is that old? I yeah. That's shocking. <laughs> I thought that was like a nineties book. Yeah, me too. Hmm. I guess that's because we that's when we grew up in the nineties, so Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. To kill a mockingbird. A signed first edition of Lee's debut and only novel, signed with best wishes, Harper Lee. Oh, I like Harper Lee a lot. I think that should be its own episode. Like, she led a really interesting life. And I never knew that she was, like, super tight with Truman Capote. Like, I guess they're from the same town. So, like, when he was writing, like, Breakfast at Tiffany's and everything like that, like, they would kind of, like, talk back and forth. Like, I I think they had a little bit of a beef at one point because, (laughs) like, they were both kind of, like vying for attention but you know <laughs> okay next one farewell the arms again okay the limited edition of hemingway's second novel one of 510 co- numbered copies signed by the author wow and the one by francois rabelais signed <laughs> by the illustrator andre durain oh. durain with 142 hand-painted woodcuts wow so obviously these are more most of these are more than just the books. It's illustrations and yeah. extra material as well. Yeah. But the next one, set of Harry Potter novels oh. for sixteen thousand dollars. Sixteen thousand dollars? Deluxe oh. edition copies of the first six Harry Potter books, all signed by Rowling. I have <laughs> so many feelings about it. I like I, I get it, but at the same time I'm like like, this is not to bash anyone for liking anything. I, I liked the movies when they came out when I was a kid. But I, I just feel like there's such, like, a demand for, like, content from them that it, like, surprises me. Like, I'm I'm always a little bit surprised when I see that people are still so into it. Uh-huh. We should talk to you. My friend Rachel is, like, a huge, I, I think the word is Potterhead. Um, <laughs> like, all through high school and, like elementary school she was obsessed she knows like more than anyone I feel like like she's super (laughs) into it I want to know the fascination I want to unpack that oh yeah that'd be interesting yeah I've never been much of a potterhead myself but no (laughs) me neither okay the next one is mime of Mick Nick and the Maggie's a fragment by James Joyce complete with a fine condition dust jacket and signed by the author and his daughter Lucia wow Next one I haven't heard of, The Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker no. for $15,000. The original manuscript for Barker's novella that inspired the Hellraiser films. Oh, okay. Oh. Those horror films from the 80s, I think they were. I think so. Can I just say, I feel like I'm at like an auction right now. Like, and you're <laughs> the auctioneer, just like telling me all these things. And I'm like, should I bid on it? And then I have to remember, <laughs> these aren't for sale. If you find out you have any of these books, you can. it'll go a long way to supporting the podcast costs. <laughs> my god start pawning off your special editions you'll reach level five of patreon um, if any listeners do want to want to send in their signed or collectors <laughs> editions of books that'll sell for twelve thousand dollars go right ahead oh we god. won't complain <clears throat> yeah i'm sure <laughs> okay the next one is francis bacon by michelle larry laris it looks another french name first edition signed by bacon signed cool. by I got something mixed up there because it's signed by the title character of the book. It says in the description. <laughs> the next one is The Day of the Triffids by John Wyndham. Okay. First impression of the first first impression of the first ed- British edition published in 1951. Hmm. I haven't read that one, but I've read another one by the same author, The Chrysalids. I had to read that in oh. high school. Okay. I've heard of that one. That one was pretty good. So the next one is Dr. No by Ian Fleming, which of course who did the James Bond novels. This is one of the James Bond novels. Published in 1958 by Jonathan Cape. This true first edition was signed by Fleming. The next one is the Dark Tower series, uh, $14,000. First edition copies of all seven volumes of the series, signed and numbered in a slipcase. Next one is the works by Joseph Conrad. Published by Doubleday in 1920, over 24 volumes and signed by the author. And then Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is placed twice on this list. That's interesting. Yeah, I feel like those are, like, really, like, big deals. Like, isn't there one or two where, like, if you get, like, a certain copy from, like, 98, like, 
there's like one spelling error and then that makes it like more special uh-huh. or something. Well, yeah, there's misprints and stuff. Yeah. So that's, that list goes on, but it gets more obscure as it goes. Hmm. Oh, this one's interesting. I Me, Mine by George Harrison, the one of the guitarists and singers in the Beatles. Heck yeah. Genesis Publications, first edition from 1980, limited to 2,000 leather-bound copies and signed by Harrison. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Anything signed by the Beatles at all would probably be, like, worth a million dollars minimum. <laughs> I think Kate would beat a crowd to death to get her hand on one of the books. Kate has Beatlemania. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that list. I can try and find the other one. That was 10 extremely valuable author signatures. So this one's, I guess, not ones for sale, per se. Okay. But number one is, again, Harper Lee to Kill a Mockingbird. Yep. Uh, signed first edition in good condition would be worth at least $20,000. That tracks. <laughs> the next one is, I don't know if this would count as a signature per se, but anything signed by Shakespeare. Oh, wow. Today, there are only six known copies of Shakespeare's signature, which makes his autograph a hot property. Totally. Oh, all the signatures are featured on legal documents. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I am one of those people, though, that like if I went to like like a, an estate sale and they had like Greta Garbo's like tissue, I would oh, be like, yeah. yeah, I'd pay $20 for that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> like... I think they'd be charging a lot more than 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> 20 bucks, highest offer. They'd jump to like 20 was... grand from that. No, I was listening to um, 20 grand for Greta Garbo's tissue. Get out of here. Um, I was listening to this podcast I think it was um the one with Kate Hudson and her brother and they like they interview like celebrity siblings sometimes and so they did one with like Elle Fanning and Dakota Fanning and Elle was saying that she was like such a huge like obsessive fan of Marilyn Monroe that she made her grandmother take her to a sale and like her grandmother was like you can buy one thing and I think she bought like a used like tin of lip bomb from like Marilyn Monroe I was like if they could have they could afford it and that was like before her movie deals I was like it must not be super expensive all the time don't quote me on it I'd like to know but if you were a multi-million dollar actor would you buy Greta Garbo's used Kleenex for twenty thousand dollars yeah Austin <laughs> <laughs> no I wouldn't I feel like I still have like a value of money that like I would feel guilty doing that you know what I mean? like you could donate that money don't don't be silly <laughs> But I would stare at it for a long time, and I would use my status as a multimillionaire to stand next to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay you 12 bucks to take my picture with it. <laughs> so another interesting about the Shakespeare thing is the three of the six signatures, three of the six from copies of the celebrated playwright's will. So that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. But there's no price on that one. Oh, wait. Estimated you would estimated that it would fetch at least five million dollars. What? And were one to be discovered on a play or a poem written by his own hand, it might be practically priceless. Yeah, I could see that for sure. So the next one on the list is James Joyce. Mm-hmm. They talk about Ulysses, which would probably go for around three hundred ninety-eight thousand. Wow. And then assigned letters have gone for twenty-five thousand at auctions. <sighs> Imagine being so famous that a little piece of your handwriting can go for, like, well, um, a person's entire year's earnings. What I was thinking about, like, while you were talking about this, and I, I think, like, everyone talks about this so often when it comes to people who create things. Like, they're worth more when they're dead, which is uh-huh. an awful, awful thing to say. But, like, it's so crazy to me that, like, they've reached this level of, like, I don't know if it's because we romanticize them. Like, obviously, it's more valuable because we'll never get this again. But it is kind of sad. Like, there's something about it that makes me feel like, wow, like, this person, like, when they were in the midst of making this, could have used, a, like, a patron or two to, like, like help them support their family or, like, uh-huh. you know, give them a place to stay. So there is a little bit of, like, like obviously, it's, it's exciting, but it's also, like, a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Maybe people will pay to listen to our podcast in 120 years and we've passed on. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, they'll they'll want to buy the signed clapperboard we use for our <laughs> intro. <laughs> Better start signing things now, Austin, so your, your future great-great-grandchildren will have, like, something to hawk at auctions. 
That's what we should do. Whenever lockdown's done, we should both sign this. And that would be so exciting. Use that for the Instagram. Wow. What a time. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Okay, back to the list. Next is F. Scott Fitzgerald. <gasps> Signatures are fairly rare. <sighs> um, letters by Fitzgerald are particularly sought after. Mm-hmm. Can go in auction up to ninety thousand dollars. Wow! A first edition of the Great Gatsby, signed by Fitzgerald, was auctioned in twenty fifteen for dollars. Oh, even that! Like to be honest, though, that seems a bit low for Gatsby. Like, uh-huh. it's a it's a culture. Like you can't avoid it. No one, no one is safe. You'll never escape in life without at least like knowing what it's about. <laughs> Okay, the next one is J.D. Salinger. Okay. Franny and Zoe? This is a batch of 41 typed and signed letters oh. from Salinger to a girl named Christine, hmm. which was auctioned in 2014 for $185,000. Wow. Have you ever read Salinger? I have not. Have you? Me neither. I think I tried Franny and Zoe, but I was too young to appreciate it. Like, I was only, like, 15 or something. Uh-huh. So the next one is Hemingway again. Ugh. Oh, this one's interesting. <laughs> Hemingway's signed letters, especially those to his celebrity friends, are a good investment. A fond note he typed to his great friend Marlene Dietrich. Yes. Oh, <laughs> in nineteen fifty-five, Dietrich <laughs> sold for thirty-five thousand dollars in twenty fourteen. Well, yeah, it's it's Marlene Dietrich. I would be there <laughs> for sure, watching that sale go down, not purchasing. <laughs> She was, like, such a big actress. Um, uh-huh. Wow. And a handwritten missive to Ezra Pound. I'm oh. not sure who that is, do you? He's another author. Okay. He's a big deal, too, apparently. That one went for $157,000. Wow. Ooh, here's one, an interesting fact for you. <laughs> off our previous conversation. A first edition of his most celebrated work, For Whom the Bell Tolls, inscribed to his my- wife, Martha Gellhorn, oh. in 2014 for $310,000. <laughs> Justice for Martha. <laughs> but kind of not, because that money probably would have gone to his estate. No, she deserves justice. <laughs> I know she wasn't paid for Martha. Okay, the next one is Charlotte Bronte. Dun, 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 dun. Not a book, a letter again, but a letter <laughs> refusing a proposal of marriage from Res- Reverend Harry Nussie. Oh, that <laughs> is juicy. <laughs> yes, Charlotte. Get it. Went up for auction and sold for $56,000. Wow. That would be kind of like if a celebrity today rejected somebody through a text <laughs> and somebody brought, bought the screenshot like 200 years from now. What, what an iconic move, <laughs> honestly. And it says Bronte paraphernalia is extremely rare. Yeah. With only two several items appearing on the market in the last 40 years. Oh, a tiny signed handwritten poem composed in 1829 when she was just 13 auctions for 92 quid 92,000 quid which is $134,000 American? I I'm guessing so, yeah. So like 160 something Canadian. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the next one is Charles Dickens. A Tale of Two Cities. Don't like Dickens what? either. <laughs> I have I have Similar a lot reasons. of beef. Yes, I do. We have like an upcoming segment where we are going to get into this further, but I have a lot of beef with with male authors from classic lit um, and female authors. I'm not discriminating, both. We have to have a profanity warning for that episode. <laughs> yeah, we are. Anyway, continue, Austin, please. Okay, Tale of Two Cities sold for three hundred ninety-eight thousand dollars. Wow. And then his letters can go from four thousand to seven thousand. Next is George Orwell. Whose letters go for ten thousand, but copies of nineteen eighty four go up to twenty six thousand. Whoa! And the last one is J.K. Rowling, who we've discussed at length, <laughs> and hers, yeah, average around twenty four thousand. Wow! Oh boy. Um. Let me read over this. It says in 2007, a handwritten copy of The Tales of Beetle and the Bard was sold in an auction. Oh. Rowling handwrote just seven copies of this book, intending it to never be published. 
Six copies are gifted to people closely connected to the Harry Potter franchise, and the seventh auctioned for charity, which I can respect. This is what I don't respect, though. Where it was acquired by Amazon for $3.98 million. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting to think you're saying a lot of authors didn't prosper as much in their lifetime, and the amount that their stuff is selling for now would probably have made their life back then. Yeah, which just goes to show you, always support your local creators. (laughs) (laughs) And now for a sponsored message. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, No, it is a little bit sad to think about. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's understandable that we cherish things, right? So that's kind of what humans do. Uh I was going to ask you, Austin, like one of my only questions for this episode was, what, like, what? top two or three authors would you love to have like a signed copy for i was just gonna ask you the same thing should we go one one okay yeah let's do it (laughs) so i'd really have to love anything signed by shakespeare obviously i think anybody would yeah that'd be pretty incredible well i mean (laughs) not to be like on brand for both of us (laughs) but i would love anything by like charlotte or anne bronte um i'm gonna count that as one (laughs) I think I would also like to have anything signed by Steinbeck. Ooh. That would be really interesting. Mm, I would love to have anything signed by Jenny Lawson, who's still living and amazing. Let me think of a third one. Huh. I was looking and perusing my bookshelf quickly. Yes. This is like the hot seat. Like, we've got to have Jeopardy theme music. Like, do 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 do. The historical fiction series I'm reading, the one about Rome. Oh, yeah. Having her signature would be really interesting. She passed away, oh. I think, a couple of years ago, which would yeah. probably up the value of that, but yeah. I digress. <laughs> Colleen McCullough, her name is. She was Australian. Oh, I've heard that name before. That's so funny. Oh. She wrote the, have you heard of The Thorn Birds? I think that was her most famous work at a film yeah. adaptation. Maybe. I don't know. I just know I've seen the name probably when I was, like, shelving books uh-huh. <laughs> at work. Um, it's familiar. <laughs> Okay, your number one choice. I don't know if it's my number one, but my next one that I would choose um, is probably probably Dorothy Parker, because she's a boss. <laughs> she's hardcore, obviously. She's gone, tragically. I don't know how much her stuff would retail for, but she's a super legend, so probably a lot, too. Okay, I got a question. Ooh, if there okay. was one author who you could choose, to, like who's still living, mm-hmm. and they were giving a meet and greet, who would you choose that to be to get a book signed? Oh, Stephanie Perkins. My okay. girl. <laughs> I mean, I guess I already have a book signed by her, but I would love to meet her. And she's like super nice and friendly. Like every interview she does, I'm always like, yeah, you seem awesome. Um, and she's also a librarian. Well, a retired librarian. <laughs> but I'm like, that's goals. I forget if I asked this before. Do you have any like notable signed copies that you got from a meet and greet? No. So funnily enough, um, I was supposed to go to uh, a meet and greet with. Um, oh my gosh, I don't know why I can't remember like any names today. Hold on, um, because we live very close to um, Toronto, uh-huh. which is really convenient because usually like concerts or like when people come to Canada like it's usually just Toronto or Vancouver sometimes Montreal if they're like hip celebrities that like... I find a lot of places going to London now instead of Toronto on a side really? note hmm. yeah apparently because I don't know if it's just for musicians but apparently because venue prices are so high in Toronto then oh. they opt for London instead because that's more fair to their fans but I mean that tracks because like I always like like I'm still like in that like 2007 like emo indie band phase and like all the bands I love go to London and I am always like okay sure um (laughs) it was really nice when I when I lived there briefly for like a couple months because I lived close to downtown so I could just go to like the London Music Hall like I would walk (laughs) there from my place it was awesome um wish I'd taken advantage of that more before the pandemic hit Uh but look my priorities are forever changed now um but anyway, I was supposed to go to a signing with um, my friends uh, to see Mary H.K. Choi, who wrote Emergency Contact. 
And she went to Indigo in, I think it was the Eaton Center in Toronto. And that's a nice Indigo. It's a nice one. It's like really nice. Like once this pandemic is over, we're hitting it (laughs) hard. We're going to have to make like a. I'll do a live stream from the the Eaton Center (laughs) Indigo. Follow us as we drool over book displays. <laughs> it's just like like fifty seven minutes of complete silence while you and I are just like wandering around. I was gonna say, was you another one when lockdown's over and just do like seventh floor of the Laurier Library live stream? Yeah, and just be silent. Oh, man. But we're just like mouthing the words, like miming stuff. Um, <laughs> no, but anyway, I haven't been to a signing in a long time, um, and even then, like I, I wasn't really like. Like, I was a big reader, but I wouldn't have been, like, super into it. Like, I don't even know if I finished this story from the top of the episode, but the Silver Birch Festival, like, the reading festival Uh would happen in Toronto. And, like, all these, like, children's and, like, young adult authors would all gather, like, along kind of, like, I think it was, like, the boardwalk area. And, like, there'd be all these signings and events and panels, and it was, like, a big deal. And I think my last signing was there. And I huh. remember being in line to see Robert Munch, who I <laughs> oh my. That's, like, a that's a big name, Robert Munch. <laughs> and I think I was, like, nine at the time. And I, I, I didn't read his books anymore, but I just, like, I loved him so much as a kid. I was, like, oh, how awesome would this be? And then I got to, like, the front of the line, and he wasn't there. Uh. some other guy that I didn't know <laughs> and so he signed my like pamphlet and I was like okay thanks <laughs> and I left <laughs> and like I felt so bad because afterwards I was like I bet you like he was like so excited to meet fans that day I don't even know who this was mind you and he like is there like for seven hours and then this kid walks up and is like visibly like crestfallen that Robert Munch isn't there like that would that would be hard I have a similar story it doesn't have to do with the book thing but yeah. my mom's friend from work gave her this toy lightsaber to give to me it's like oh i got this sign i think it was like fan expo or something uh-huh. it's like, oh we got the sign give it to your son so my mom gave it to me say like, here look this is the signed lightsaber i was like mm-hmm. oh that's cool who's it signed by she's like oh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i have we can't read the signature i've tried looking it up i can't figure out who it is so we're secretly like a millionaire like what if like <laughs> Like Lucas himself signed this, and you're just sitting on it. You should I get think that. Just some random guy signed it. Time to go to like Canadian. Didn't know enough about Star Wars to say anything. So we need to like get to like Canadian Antiques Roadshow. I don't know if there's like an equivalent for like like geeky or pursuits, um, but that's what we need to do. I think a special episode of Bright Young Things. We follow Austin as he journeys to Antiques Roadshow. What's that? The Pawn Show Pawn Stars. What? You ever see that show? Uh, pawn no. Stars? Yeah, they go to different pawn shops and they like find the different, like, uh, yeah, they try and find the value of different, like, antiques and stuff. Oh. I think that's a show I'm thinking of. Wow. That's our spin off. <laughs> that's our spin off. Yeah. I think that's all for me, Austin. Yeah, that's all for me uh, as well. This was a good chat. I didn't realize we had this much to say about it. <laughs> I like when we can just kind of ramble off into different like topics it makes it more interesting i think yeah i do too you just never know what you're gonna get with us (laughs) especially after a long day of work (laughs) yeah we should start filming all our episodes at two in the morning when we're so dead tired we don't know what we're saying anymore pass sir you have seen me in class when i get less than seven hours i am not (laughs) a good person i become terrible Okay, so that's all for this week then. It is. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. See you next week. I will see you later. Bye.